Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, from Walking Dead Now. Want to welcome all of our viewers who are joining us tonight. Hope you could spend the next hour with us. And a scheduling change. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw my social media that I posted. I made a post several hours ago. Zoe Coletti, who plays Dakota on Fear the Walking Dead, was supposed to be our special guest tonight. But due to some unforeseen scheduling changes, she is not able to join us tonight. But uh, we are very hopeful that she will be joining us sometime next week. So it was out of everybody's hands, and she's uh, sorry, and I'm sorry that we can't bring you Zoe tonight, but we are going to have her on, and hopefully it'll be sometime next week. So we're all still very excited about that, to talk to Dakota, Virginia's sister from Fear the Walking Dead. Now, moving on from that, I want to say hello to some of you guys that are joining us. Khaleesi is with us, CC Wheezy on YouTube, welcome you guys, Thice is with us, Batera, Colette is with us on Facebook, Lindsay Sparks is with us on Facebook, Francine and Ronaldo are also with us on Facebook, let's see what we got going on on the Instagram side, Norman Reedus is my hero, awesome name, is with us on Instagram, Ayak is waving at us. Galore is also with us. Uh, Nabeen is joining us. Welcome to all you guys. Like I said, thank you so much for uh, tuning in tonight. We are going to be reviewing the latest episodes that we got this past Sunday of Fear the Walking Dead, which is already on episode five, as well as World Beyond, which concluded episode six, six out of ten. And like I mentioned before Sunday, we did get a post scene, uh, I'm sorry, a post credit scene after the latest episode of World Beyond. And we're going to go into that as well in this episode. And a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, I hope you guys got our, the chance to see our interview last night with uh, Peter Jacobson, who plays Rabbi Jacob on Fear the Walking Dead. I got to tell you guys, I had an absolute blast talking with Peter. Uh, what a fun guy to talk to. Amazing actor. A resume a mile long. Transformers. Colony. And then, of course, the, his biggest uh, stint on House. Uh, the mega hit show Fox. Uh, sorry, House. That was on Fox. And now, of course, he's on Fear the Walking Dead as Rabbi Jacob. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot from Jacob and a lot of uh, really cool stuff coming out of Jacob's character as season six progresses of Fear the Walking Dead. So that was last night. If you missed the episode, if you missed the interview, as always, go to our website, which is deadtalklive.com. You can see that interview as well as, well as uh, all of our recent episodes, get our social media links, see our upcoming and prior guests, and much, much more. And also our YouTube channel as well. Uh, the name of our channel is called Walking Dead Now. If you have not visited us yet on YouTube, please go ahead and visit us on YouTube, Walking Dead Now. Please feel free to go ahead and subscribe if you're there right now. It'd be greatly appreciated if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So great interview last night with Peter Jacobson. And we got another treat. Over the past 24 hours, we got two new video submissions. They have been both posted throughout our social media. For those of you that have seen them, we're going to be seeing them again. For those of you who have not seen them yet, you're going to be watching them here very soon. We, Like I said, we got two uh, video contributions over the past 24 hours. The first one that we're going to uh, see tonight is by uh, Thais Barros, who gave us a Morgan tribute, an excellent Morgan tribute to Halsley Gasoline. And without further delay, guys... Let's just go ahead and check it out. Here it is. Because I was supposed to do it. I was supposed to kill her, my Jenny. Knew I was supposed to, but uh, 
I let it go. Let it go like there wasn't going to be a reckoning. So I called to him. Then he turned. And then she was just, just on him. And I see red. I see red. Everything is red. Everything I see is red. And I Are do you it. insane like me? Been in pain like me? Bought a hundred dollar bottle of champagne like me? Just to pour that motherfucker down the drain like me? Would you use your water bill to dry the stain like me? Are you high enough without the Mary Jane like me? Do you tell yourself what parts you entertain like me? Do the people whisper about you on the train like me? Saying that you shouldn't waste your pretty face like me? Huh? Cause all life is precious now. And all the people say You can't wake up, this is not a dream You're part of the moon You are not a human being We should face our way up Moving on the street Low our self-esteem So we run our gasoline I think there's a flaw in my code Everything good. Why does it matter if we spend whatever's left on Another keeping people, people alive? Say, you can't wake up. This is not a dream. The part is on the street. You are not a human being. We should take some of it up. on the street. Low our self esteem. So you run our So there you guys have it. Morgan tribute to Gasoline. Thighs, thank you so much. Awesome video. All your work is awesome. Thank you so much for uh, uh, submitting that today. And uh, it was our honor. It's my honor to share that with all of our viewers. So we're going to be getting to the second video a little bit later on. I don't want to put them both back to back. Uh, so let's just, just dive right into our breakdown of the episodes we got Sunday. <clears throat> and of course, Fear, episode five, another great episode. Amazing episode. We got to see what Sherry's been up to and her new friends, the masked people. And we, man, did we go over those masked people in detail before this season premiered. There were a lot of rumors because of all the teasers that were dropped. With these mass people, who are they? Are they bad? Are they good? And we found out on Sunday, they are Virginia's rejects. Okay, that's who they are. They are Virginia's rejects. And, uh, you know, we got to see Raleigh back again, uh, you know, who was part of Logan's crew. He is sort of in charge even though there's no, like, real clear leader as who is leading this rebellion against Virginia in regard to the uh, the masked people. But Raleigh, who, uh, after they took out, uh, Virginia took out Logan and all the people that were with Logan in the oil fields, uh, Raleigh is there. 
And of course, Sherry has joined him. We don't know how. We don't know how exactly involved Sherry was with Virginia. Was she a part of her colony? Was she not? We don't know. And we have to wait and find out. But what I found fascinating, and it might be a small detail to you guys, but the thing that I loved about this episode that we got on Sunday of Fear the Walking Dead is that for the first time, Negan was acknowledged by name. To me, that is huge, okay? It's when Dwight and Sherry are talking, and Sherry's really upset, and Dwight's thinking that they're talking about Virginia, but Sherry slips out he, and Dwight says, he? Who are you talking about? And then he's like, Negan? To me, that was huge, okay? And also the sanctuary by name was mentioned, Again, Negan was mentioned, small detail, but all along so far, up until this past Sunday, it's always been him, that place, never really called out by name. So for me, that was a huge thing just to uh, hear the name Negan and also Sanctuary blurted out uh, by Dwight. in this last episode. So let's go ahead and start on this article and see what they have to say in regards to their breakdown of this uh, last episode of Fear. Then, of course, we'll interject with our own thoughts on it as well. So here it starts off, well, here we are, another week, and yet another mission to take down Ginny by turning her own plans against her. This time, in the episode that was called Honey, It's newly reunited Dwight and Sherry seeking to turn things to their advantage. But what starts out as a simple plan to steal back Al's SWAT van turns into a power struggle when Morgan suddenly turns up to muddy everyone's thinking. And what did you guys think of that scene when they took down the MRAP, the SWAT car? You know, them coming up on the horses, uh, fantastic. Yeah, my heart was going like 100 miles per hour. Such an awesome scene. Dwight coming off the horse onto the SWAT van. Of course, they had intelligence by Al. Dwight knew exactly where there was an entrance into the SWAT vehicle because Al told him. So once Dwight got in, Obviously, they had the clear advantage. They did get the SWAT vehicle back. So, what exactly they're going to do with it, we knew what they wanted to do with it. The whole plan was to lure Virginia to them and just take her out. Bam, boom, done. And did not surprise me one bit. Virginia is not that dumb. Just because Dwight says uh, to the people on the radio... I've met a new community. I think it'd be best if Virginia makes first contact herself. And she's not that dumb. She's not going to fall for that. She's not going to take that kind of a high-level risk, especially coming from Dwight, someone who she really doesn't trust yet, with good reason, obviously. So when they had it all rigged and Sherry was in the driver's seat of the SWAT car, hoping that Virginia got out of the car to end it once and for all, it's never that easy. Especially in the post-apocalyptic world, Virginia did not show up. And at the end of the day, Morgan was right. I did get a little pissed off at Dwight. And I understand why he he has just been reunited with his wife that he's been searching for well over a year It was her plan to take out Virginia. And we also learned that Sherry is projecting Negan onto Virginia. Okay? Sherry never got her revenge on Negan. So what is she doing now? She is projecting Negan onto Virginia. And there are two very, as far as what we know so far about Virginia... 
she is very similar to Negan in a lot of ways. And we could see how easy it is for Sherry to project uh, Negan onto Virginia. So anyway, uh, the article continues to say, in short order, tables are turned, then they are turned again. Lovers reunited, then separated. In the end, this episode feels like a retread of something we have seen a few too many times in 16 seasons of Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. Intentionally or not, Dwight himself sums it up best when late in the episode he tells Morgan, we all want our own lives under our own rules. So there's a fight and somebody's got to lose. If this, if this isn't all of The Walking Dead in a nutshell, I do not know what is. Which begs the question, how many times can we see this basic premise play out in fear before AMC is simply beating a dead horse? I don't agree with that. I think this is two different, these are two different completely, completely different scenarios that they're trying to compare here. Fear may have come back strong with season six, but it stumbles mightily here. Again, strongly disagree. This was a great moment. And yeah, they are trying to draw a parallel. You can tell they're trying to draw a parallel between Fear of the Walking Dead and the storyline that's going on now with Virginia to the Savior War between the communities and the Sanctuary and the Saviors. It goes on to say, this isn't to say that Emilio and Evangelista don't do fine work, because just the opposite is true. Dwight and Sherry have a lot to lose, and we root for them because as individuals, they have been broken by this world, broken and put back together. Except some pieces are missing or out of place. They're not quite the same. Same people they once were, they see it in each other's faces reflected in their lover's intent, haunted gaze. This is the stuff of tragedy, and in any other show, in any other universe, this might be Dwight and Sherry's tale alone to tell, but it's not. Their love story is playing out in a grim world beset by monsters on both sides of a protective wall. By now, we already understand the, the Walking Dead's biggest threats aren't the dead, which is why taking down Virginia may be no noble, but we've seen one too many petty tyrants rise and fall between fear and the walking dead. Again, I disagree with that. I think Virginia is the first legitimate antagonist on fear the walking dead. I really do. Yeah, we've had Otto in season three. No, no. You know, they were just, uh, I don't know. They were survivalists. They had this camp, this ranch, in case the world fell apart, the world did fall apart. Troy, of course, was a sociopath. Uh, Jake, his other son, was not. Were they true antagonists? No. There was a battle going on between uh, Otto and the Native Americans who claimed that land as their own. But that's as far as that you know it goes with, in regards to antagonism. Uh, it goes on to say, this episode's recursive nature is ironic, given its theme of transformation. Indeed, if season, if season six has been about anything, it's the idea of change. Surely this is a notion anyone can get behind, especially now. But as the world has learned the hard way, people are resistant to change and will fight against it tooth and nail, even if said change is proven to save lives. Morgan best uh, personifies this ideas 
of transformation. His journey through the Walking Dead universe has been fraught with change. And boy, is that an understatement. And yet his desire to do good in the world has remained steadfast, sometimes to the detriment to those closest to him. And going back to that scene with the SWAT van and um, the, uh, the bad guy, the Virginia guy driving the SWAT van before Dwight took over the van and he got kicked out of the van while it was still moving, the way Morgan rolled up in that scene on his horse with, with the bad guy being dragged behind his horse, tied. Uh, that was classic. They had all thought that Dwight died. They all heard his message on the radio at the end of season five of Fear the Walking Dead, and they all assumed that he was dead. He was dead. And we still, I have theorized that it was Sherry that patched up Morgan when he was shot by Virginia. Now, that could still very well be the case. Even just because Sherry did not step forward when Morgan was telling the story of what happened that night when they got separated and Virginia did end up shooting Morgan, uh, she just might be keeping that to herself. So there is a chance that it could be Sherry that still patched Morgan up, but they keep going back to that. So it's it's someone. If it's not Sherry, then who the hell is it? You know, uh, you have to assume that it's somebody that we know. It's not some completely new character or else they would not really have kept it a mystery as long as they have so far. And uh, I'm out of ideas. I know a lot of people, especially before this season six started, there was a lot of rumors about Madison coming back. There is absolutely nothing to justify that. And even though I would love to see Madison come back to the show, there is no, it's just a rumor. It's just a theory. It's not even a rumor, really. It's just people uh, wishful thinking. There is no clue whatsoever. And I just want to say, and I'm just going to say it once, if it actually is Madison that is back, wow. <laughs> if it is actually Madison that's following what's going on uh, in regards to her last living child, Alicia, and Strand, and Daniel, which is the people that she knew, really, before she disappeared... Wow. Now, I'm only going to say it once. I really do not believe that's going to happen. Is it a possibility? Yeah, but I just do not see it happening. Uh, Rebecca writes, what would be her reason for not connecting with her daughter? Exactly. Why is she in hiding? What is she hiding from? That's just what adds to the not really looking like this is going to happen. Um... Rebecca also writes, I like Morgan's new look. So do I. So do I. He looks good on a horse and the cowboy hat. You know, it's definitely uh, his look. I like it a lot. Uh, Singer Chick writes, I'd love to see that too with Madison. Damn. Uh, Rebecca also writes, it's also been too much time that's passed. It has. Remember, after Madison passed away, supposedly, there was a big time jump that they did on Fear of the Walking Dead. And they did that time jump because they had to catch up with the Walking Dead timeline so Morgan can cross over. So we're talking about years and years and years that have passed uh, in Fear of the Walking Dead from the time that we last saw Madison to where we are now. And I can't think of any logical explanation as to why Madison would know where everybody is, but choose to remain, um, you know, incognito, hidden away for some reason. So I just, I mean, we're talking about less than a 1% chance. That's how slim that is of happening. But I did want to address it. Uh, anyway, continuing on, 
This is the path that Dwight now walks in the episode Honey, after aligning himself with Sherry's masked group of settlement outcasts, I call them the rejects, he finally sees a way forward for ridding the world of Ginny. The problem is he is so committed to being with Sherry that he's willing to become a monster in the process. And I think that's a little bit of what freaked Sherry out. She saw how far he was willing to go to align himself with what Sherry wanted to do. And she saw that part of Dwight that she saw with Negan completely giving in to whatever Negan wanted him to be. And that scared her. That really scared her. That is why when the time came for them to make their attack on Virginia, if she had shown up at that meeting location, she had Dwight locked away as well. She didn't want him to do it. She did not want him to fall back to the person that he was at the sanctuary and with the saviors. So she was going to take on that responsibility for herself. And he was right. Virginia was not there. If if they would have played their cards right then and there, all they would have done is taken out what? There were like eight to ten of Virginia's rangers. What's the point of that? You're going to tip your hand. No gain. So Dwight, Morgan, and Al were right. It would have, it would, it would have been a wasted opportunity and completely stupid. Morgan is 100% right. They have to play their cards right, ensure that the friends that they do have on the inside are first safe, and then find a way to go to war with Virginia. And make no doubt about it, there, there, there's a war coming, a big war. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. So, uh, Singer Chick writes, oh, I know what a team Morgan and Madison would make. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? You're right. The M&Ms. <laughs> that would be quite a team. Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, I liked Morgan from day one. Such a great character. And the performance from Lenny James is fantastic. Cannot have said it better myself, Lindsay. Uh, so Rebecca's like, Rebecca likes the uh, M&M tagline. So do I. M&M. Morgan and Madison. So the article continues, which brings us to Raleigh. Like like Holly Coran's Janice, Corey Hart's Raleigh first appeared last season, but did not get a lot of screen time. If you recall, Raleigh was originally part of Logan's crew, who antagonized Morgan's group throughout much of season five, but it's the 210 words per minute that Raleigh and Dwight first crossed paths, following Morgan's example to help others not hurt them, Dwight spared Raleigh's life. While this may have been an important moment for Dwight, I don't know if Raleigh's reveal in the episode has the sort of impact fear intended. Sure, it's a nice thought of kindness, begets kindness, but I really do think Fear's faction fatigue may be hurting the show, especially when you consider the subdivisions within these groups, each with its own agenda and means of achieving their goals. Now, they have a little bit of a point on that one. There is a lot of fractured groups. You have the, the outcasts, the people with the white masks, then you got Morgan, and of course, everyone has their own agenda. Every The main goal is the same. They want to take out Virginia. They want to take out Virginia's way of doing things, but they really, everyone has their own opinion on how to do it, and if that continues, they're, they're never going to be successful. Someone is going to have to step up and take control of the outcasts, of course, Morgan, Dwight, Sherry, all of them start to find a way uh, w 
we already know that Morgan has made contact with Daniel. Daniel is helping him from the inside. They need more help. They need more people inside of Virginia's communities uh, to give them intel. And one person is going to have to stand up and become the leader of this resistance against Virginia. And I am pretty sure that that one person is going to be Morgan. Uh, he is in the right frame of mind. He is not willing to spare someone. He's not in the all life is precious uh, type of Morgan that we've seen in the past. Not willing to hurt anybody, even if that is to the detriment and safety to his own people. This is a much wiser Morgan. He is willing to kill. But like I said, he has his head screwed on right. He knows what he needs to do. And the big motivating factor for him, no doubt about it, is a character who we have yet to see uh, on this season of Fear the Walking Dead. And that is Karen David's character who plays Grace. Where is Grace? We are five episodes into Fear and we have no idea where she is. What is she doing? Nothing. Also, we have not seen Luciana. Now, in the in the sneak peek of next week's episode, we do finally get to see Luciana. She is still in the oil fields. I'm assuming if we go back to the end of season five, she is pretty much the only person that Virginia has that knows how to refine the oil into gasoline so she is a big value to luciana and if you remember from last season luciana willingly accepted that role in exchange for letting her friends be released from virginia's grip at the time so we are going to get to see luciana next week but the big question is is where is grace what the hell is going on with grace what is she doing what is Virginia doing to her? We have no idea. Uh, Khaleesi writes, they need to listen to Morgan. He's experienced all-out war. So Morgan knows what he is talking about. Yes, that is absolutely the truth. Morgan is definitely experienced in what has happened with all-out war. Sherry left The Walking Dead. She ran away before all-out war broke out. So she is not experienced. Dwight is also experienced. He played a part as the spy uh, inside of Negan's sanctuary to help out the communities during All Out War. So I think Morgan taking the lead with Dwight being his like number one lieutenant. And then of course you've got Al. Al is a badass. Those three together can... Uh, I. I would put my money on them any day of the week. I want to say to Andrew Valentine, say hello to Andrew Valentine, who joined us on Instagram. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome to uh, Ro, also saying hello on Instagram. Ronaka is also waving at us on Instagram. Nia is also giving us a smiley face. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. CC Wheezy on YouTube writes, here a theory, what if the doctor who is caring for Grace patched up Morgan sent by Grace to check up on Morgan? Could be. Could be. We don't know much about him. We really don't know much about him at all. Is he willing to defy Virginia to that extent? When we, the little bit that we got to see him in season five, he was willing to do whatever Virginia told him. He seemed very loyal to her. Possible, yeah, but I don't think so. But is it possible? Absolutely. So anyway, moving on. Uh, let's see, where did I leave off? Yet, as we see the interaction with Ginny's captured driver, any gains Dwight has made since fleeing Negan's sanctuary are being erased. Plus, even as he's willing to sideline his newfound family, that same family is prepared to sideline him. 
I wish I could say the episode is as satisfying as the episode that came before it, especially given that the pedigree talent behind the camera, Michael Satrazimus, directed season four's Laura and Close Your Eyes, which are amongst the show's best. And Michael did direct this past episode of Fear the Walking Dead, and he did a fantastic job. Um, As writer, Ashley Cardiff penned uh, last season's excellent Leave What You Don't. Perhaps it all boils down to the Walking Dead universe itself being incapable of sustaining positive, long-lasting change, leaving viewers with a nagging sense of been there, done that. After all, even if our heroes succeed in taking down Ginny, we already know another villain will be waiting to take her place. And that's just the world they're living in. It's a world where we did... It's the episode we did uh, before our interview with Peter. It's the episode we did on Saturday on how evil thrives in the post-apocalyptic world. It's a psychopath's playground. They can do whatever they want. No rules, no laws. They can come out and manipulate a whole bunch of people, create a community like the governor, Negan, the list goes on and on and on. So the fact that, yeah, after Ginny is hopefully defeated, there are going to be more bad people out there. Ginny is not the last bad person left in the post-apocalyptic zombie world. There's a lot more out there. So, you know, I don't know what it is that the people who wrote this article are exactly looking for, for it to be different. But, you know, they're writers. They This is an opinion piece, and they just want to share their opinion, and they have to have something to write about. So, uh, let's see. Khaleesi writes, I thought Fear was amazing Sunday night. It was like watching a Western. It was amazing. Now, that brings us to our next video. This next video was submitted to us by a brand new contributor, YouTube channel name Fandom Plus. This video has been huge on our social media since I posted it yesterday. It's a Rick Grimes and Daryl Dixon tribute called Brother. So here we go. Let's go ahead and watch Brother from Fandom on YouTube.
You've been back with us here, now. That's everything. You're my brother. That last line said it all. It's also the title of the video. Brother. Uh, Daryl's path, Rick's path, their path together. Great video. Great video. Emotional video. Um, just looking at your guys' reaction, you guys loved it as well. Colette on Facebook writes, brilliant. Lindsay Sparks writes, loving this video, an awesome song choice. Saz also says, love this. Khaleesi writes, it has all the feels. It's an amazing video. It was a great video. And uh, it's from a brand new contributor. So I'm looking forward to getting more videos from, uh, let's see, the YouTube channel name of our new contributor is called Fandom Plus. So I encourage you guys to check out Fandom Plus's YouTube channel. They are the ones who created that video. And it is amazing. And it's it is blowing up on our social media. Very, very popular video. Now, let's move on to World Beyond, which also gave us a uh, really interesting episode. We got to meet two new characters on World Beyond. And I like these two new characters uh, because I think, I know by the end of the episode, we find out that they're nothing more than con artists. Uh, basically, they're not evil. They just go around stealing people's stuff, running a con. Uh, don't need the apocalypse for that to happen. That's going on every day in real life. But I think the, uh, the, the, uh, the guys talents when it comes to, you know, magic, illusion, whatever you want to call it, is going to come in handy as uh, we go into the rest of these episodes. And a big note about the episode of World Beyond that we saw this last Sunday, it was Michael Cudlett's first World Beyond director, direct, sorry, it was Michael Cudlett's, yeah, no, Siri. It was Michael Cudlett's first episode that he directed on World Beyond. So, just a little note there for you guys to not, if you guys did not notice that. The episode that we saw this past Sunday of World Beyond was directed by Michael Cudlett, who of course was Abraham on The Walking Dead. And he's also directed several of The Walking Dead episodes. And from all the people that we have spoken to, he just is a brilliant director Everyone loves working for him when he's behind the camera. So, great episode that we got. Let's go ahead and read an article about it. About it, And, of course, we'll interject along the way. So, episode 6 of World Beyond was a pretty decent entry into AMC's latest zombie spinoff. The episode focused on our merry band of heroes coming across a newcomer, Percy, who enlist their help to retrieve his truck, which he says has been stolen. It turns out that Percy is a grifter, a con artist. He is running a con, and he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those pesky kids. World Beyond is one of those shows where very little happens each episode until something does. A lot of slow build followed by some big action in shadow puppets we pick up where last week's episode left off personally percy actually showed up at the very end of that episode though we didn't see who it was until this one another tense moment the kids invite percy back to their fire where he spins a tale about how his things were stolen by some other men but there are cracks in his story, like how he traveled such a vast distance in so little time. So he confesses that he has a truck. And that was all part of the con. Uh, it, was what he, it was what the thieves actually took. He was only lying to Hope and the others because he was trying to protect them. Now, this is the story that he's weaving. After all, if they heard that he had a vehicle, they'd be too tempted to go get it for themselves, and that could be too dangerous. Sure enough, the con works. They agree to go help him. When they get to the spot, they see the truck. 
They rush over to find a man dead inside by a bullet wound, supposedly to the head. It's Tony, Percy's uncle. He is in on the con, but they don't know it at the time. They lay him against the building. The thieves are apparently in a building across the street, and Felix and Percy head in. Impatient at not being able to come help, Iris heads in as well, leaving Hope and Elton outside and Silas with the truck. Inside the building, Iris comes across Percy. They head upstairs and find the keys and a pile of Percy stuff. He tells her to go start the truck and he's going to go gather his things and look for the bad guys. She heads down the stairs, hears a cry and a gunshot. Torn between wanting to get the hell out of there and wanting to help Percy, she hesitates. After a moment, she does turn around and go back upstairs. Percy is nowhere to be seen. She sees his things reaches inside the backpack, and it's filled with paper. She realizes it's a prop. Meanwhile, outside, we see Tony sneak up to his feet. And I got to tell you guys, I didn't trust them. You know, I was sort of 50-50 on the fence, uh, whether these guys, on whether Percy was for real or not. But that scene where I really truly believe that the person that we saw that was supposedly dead in the truck was dead. We saw he had a gunshot wound to the head. They took him out, propped him up against the wall. And when they're showing that scene with Silas and in the background, you see Tony get up. I'm like, whoa, what the hell is going on? Uh, He has a gunshot wound to the head. And he actually, when he gets up, He starts to walk just for a split second as if he's a zombie before he straightens up and goes into the driver's seat of the truck after grabbing their stuff and stealing it. But that that scene for a second there had me really, really confused until I figured out exactly what was going on. Uh, So he gets on his feet. They're as good as gone when they see a pack of has-beens a kind of fun term for the zombies that they've created and decide to head back to save the kids and Felix. The grifters, they may be, but they're not heartless. And Percy does tell Iris that they had run this con plenty of times in the past and Iris was the first person who actually ever came back to see if he was okay. And that is what convinced Percy to convince his uncle that they need to go back and help them. So, in the end, everybody makes nice, though it takes a bit for the girls to forgive Percy and his uncle, even though the words, I forgive you, uh, were never really uttered. We know that they are going to be forgiven. Silas never trusted Percy to begin with, and his instincts were solid. Now, personally, I think Silas has a crush on Iris, and that's why he did not like Percy. Uh, I think we can all, if you disagree, please let me know, but I think it's becoming pretty evident that Silas really, really likes Iris. Um, And he saw Percy, of course, another guy that Iris really became friendly with as a threat to the girl that he likes. Anyway, um, Elton seems to genuinely like both men regardless of their attempt to rob them blind. The conversation about Hope's dad and Elton's mom also carries on this episode. Hope carries her secret like a ball and chain. She knows that Elton's mom shot and killed her mom and that she killed his mom in revenge. Again, we've discussed that, and it seems like a lot of people just misinterpreted that scene. Yeah, Hope picks up the gun after Elton's mom shoots Hope's mom. Hope picks up the gun. 
Hope points the gun at Elton's mom. What makes her pull the trigger is that explosion behind Hope. Okay, she did not make a conscious decision right then and there to shoot Elton's mom. And it seems like a lot of people that have watched that episode completely missed that fact. You know, so anyway, it's something she clearly wants to tell him, but I can't imagine how it would help anything. He's going to find out. I don't see Hope carrying this on to her death. I did mention that, you know, we're obviously going to lose people, all right? We only have um, four episodes left of World Beyond Season 1. We're going to lose people. Right now, there are eight of them in the group, okay? Including the two new characters we got on Sunday. We have eight characters total now traveling to New York State. We're going to lose people. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, this is my own opinion, but I really do think we are going to lose hope. And hope is carrying this secret, this burden of her shooting Elton's mom. And it would not surprise me, depending on the manner in which we might lose hope, that as she's passing away, she does tell Elton the truth. That's one way they can do it. Um, continuing on, the truth shall set you free, but sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. What good will it do to unburden herself on Elton? He'll know his mom killed someone for one thing. His memory of her will be tainted. His friendship with Hope and Iris will be compromised. This episode was directed by Michael Cudlitz, Abraham from The Walking Dead, and I think he had a he did a pretty good job with it. But like so much of the rest of the show, it's not just terribly exciting material. Cudlitz does the best he can, and the kids all do a pretty good job as well. But the material remains too flat. Maybe we've just covered this ground too much already. There's nothing new and interesting enough about World Beyond to really make it stand out. The CRM stuff, maybe, but that's just a very smart, a small part of the show at this point. And it's building, and it's building, and it's building, and it's building. It's been building up since episode one. We, Like I said, we just saw episode six, and I guarantee you, whether it's the last two episodes or whether it's the remaining four episodes, this show is going to escalate, okay? Right now, the kids are just trying to find their way. They've come across what they think are big obstacles. We know it's going to be the least of their problems that they are going to face as they progress on their journey. Uh, they are... They are in for some big surprises, as is Felix. Felix is not, just because he knows how to protect himself outside the walls of the Omaha colony, he has no idea what's in store for him as well as they continue further east. So it's going to continue to ramp up. Uh, and it's going to go this season, season one of World Beyond, I can almost guarantee you it's going gonna, it's gonna to end with a bang. It's the last, it could be the last two episodes, three, I don't know. But it is just, it's just been building and building and building. And it's very true to how The Walking Dead has always been. Remember, it always builds to the episodes just before a finale, to the finale and then the mid-season premiere, season premiere. That's just how they do it, and it works. And it works. And they're doing the same thing with World Beyond. And just, you know, stay buckled in, because it's about to get really ramped up, and things are about to get very crazy in World Beyond. So let's see what you guys are saying uh khaleesi writes i'm afraid silas would will get killed over her 
Speaking of virus, yep, that is a possibility. Uh, I can definitely see that happening. So let's see, we have another thing in regards to the world beyond, and it actually references exactly what I just said, okay? Uh, the world beyond boss teases shocking endings to come. And before I get to that, we are running short on time. I do want to talk about that post credit scene that we got in World Beyond. It wasn't as informative as the uh, first post credit scene we got two weeks ago, where we saw the doctor performing the experiments on the walkers. Those walkers are her former colleagues. It's the same doctor that we'd see again in this post credit scene. She receives a call. They are apparently expecting someone. Is the CRM tracking the, the group? Are they tracking the kids? Do they know they are coming? Are they being brought to them, you know, led to them for a reason? Who is it that uh, Lila, which is the name of the doctor, the person that she was talking to on the phone, who are they expecting? Who is it that they need to prepare for? But one thing is damn obvious is that whoever Lila was talking to on the phone makes her really nervous. You can tell exactly how much she tensed up when she was talking to this person. And she knew that, you know, whatever they're asking her to do, she needs to do it because her life is at stake. Uh, Thais on YouTube just wrote, I might be crazy, but I think Elizabeth got those kids out of there for a reason. Oh, she did. She did. You're not crazy. She absolutely did. We learned that in the first episode where she was happy to learn that they got out of there before the CRM came and slaughtered everybody at the Omaha colony. Anyway, we literally just have a minute left. Just this article about shocking endings it's about the showrunner, Matt Negrete, saying exactly what I said, that uh, the remaining episodes of World Beyond are going to increase in intensity as we approach the season finale. Uh, it's a 10-episode season. We just completed episode six. We have four more episodes to go. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's just going to keep escalating and escalating I think they're going to give us one hell of a finale. Uh, definitely a big episode before the finale. So keep watching, guys, because there's a lot in store. And I'm, I'm, I think we're going to get a lot more post-credit scenes. I can almost guarantee you we are going to get a post-credit scene after episode 10, which will be the season finale, season one of, of World Beyond. So... We just got to wait. We got to wait and see it unfold. I don't know how it's going to unfold, uh, but it's going to get big. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to really ramp up. With that said, we are out of time for tonight. Uh, this hour just flies by. We're actually past one hour. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. Please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. Visit us on YouTube channel's name is walking dead now thank you so much for joining me tonight i'll be back on the air again tomorrow night and we'll let you know as soon as we have a date rescheduled for zoe coletti who plays dakota on fear of the walking dead till tomorrow night guys stay walking